my cell phone started getting calls. Literally like the heads of studios and some of the biggest execs in this town because they thought I'd made this independent feature film. Welcome to another episode of Unlikely Story. I am one of your hosts, Chris Loafing. And I am your other host, Travis Clough. We have a very special guest today. Very special. Tyson Wade Johnston. Do you go by the Wade? You still have the Wade in there? I On screen, yes. yes. I've never actually introduced myself to anybody. <laughs> so just Tyson that. Johnston. I'm thinking about dropping friends. it, but for now, it's, it's Tyson Wade. Yeah. Tyson. You guys both have some pretty cool middle names, actually. What's your middle name? Middle, uh, I don't want to say that on the podcast. Do it. It's not going to happen. It's, he doesn't like his middle I'll name. Let people, I think it's cool. I'll let people what, research and see if they can the find initial? it. What's the initial? It's T. Tyson? T. No. No. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let people dig and see if they can find that one out. But Maybe we'll do a prize if you if find, you find it out, out and put it in the name. comments. Chris's middle name. Yeah. Tyson, though, Tyson Johnston is a writer, director, VFX artist, editor, kind of, kind of a jack-of-all-trades, really, filmmaker. Uh, Tyson has done work for huge things, commercials, ads. I mean, you're usually directing, editing, graphics, artist, VFX, a lot of post stuff. Yeah. Um, but he's also created numerous uh, short films, usually sci-fi, and they all have just incredible effects for like nothing budgets. <laughs> I mean, they're oh, like yeah. the stuff you pull off in these shorts is incredible. And they've got attention and caught the eye of some pretty amazing people, uh, studios, executives. Tyson basically people. puts people to shame for what he does with the budgets that he has. <laughs> and they're all, they're all just like totally guerrilla made, you know, like yeah. with nothing, no, no money, just like your own. Yeah. By way, by way of necessity. And it's, it, it's, as I've grown, that's kind of just become my style as a filmmaker. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I love that. And we're going to get to some of your inspirations. Cause I think a lot of your inspirations are very similar. Uh-huh. Tyson just directed his first feature streamline, which releases this summer. And, but he's also just a super talented dude all around. And also my film school roommate from NIFA. Yeah. We were roommates together for, what was that, a year and a half, two we, years? We shared an apartment with, well, there was four of us in four, there. Four people. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite crowded. I'm, I'm shocked any of you are still friends with me from those days. <laughs> no, it, it, I look back so fondly on that time. Like, yeah, that despite was... how many times I said, you got a barrel on that guy, bro. Like <laughs> He's dragging you down, man. Until Travis <laughs> lured me to Fresno. That's how that ended. Yeah, that's true. I was like, dude, come live up here with me, be my roommate with my family, and let's make features. And help me pay rent. And help me pay rent, yes, because I yeah. needed it at the time for sure. But welcome, Tyson. It's good to have you up here in Fresno. I'm happy to be here. I'm so impressed with the setup. Like Appreciate I know it, this is episode four or five or something, but it's mm-hmm. it everything looks and feels legit. Like I'm, I'm proud of you guys for getting this going. We appreciate well, it, man. That's the way we roll. We do things legit. We don't do them <laughs> unlegit. <laughs> they have ever since legit. I've known these guys. It's like it, it's they say they're going to do something and then it it gets done. Yeah, with no delay, and it's you guys have been that way since I've since I've met you both. So it's yeah, we've been trying to produce Tyson here for I don't know ten years or something, some feature or whatever. We're glad you got the feature you did under your belt. Uh-huh. We're glad you got that experience, and uh, you're just that much better of a filmmaker for it. And we're that much more excited to collaborate on something. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tyson, Thanks. it's good to have you here. We want to hear a little bit from you just to start off. How you got started in making films where does your how do your how did you become interested in 
becoming a director filmmaker? It, I kind of naively found it. Like I, I wasn't that young kid that like went and saw Taxi Driver or 2001 and I was like, I want to be a director. It's, I, I grew up in this small rural town uh, called Aubrey in Australia. And they would, my mom just had a video camera lying around the house and I was obsessed with it. Mm. Um, and there was a, like, I was really inspired as a kid. I just loved these like jackass movies and, and that like, the, those were my origins as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I loved movies cause it was, this was such a small town and, and I'd go to the movie theater so often and see these big blockbusters and whatever was available in Australia. But, uh, yeah, my origins as a filmmaker, I was just always carrying a camera around mm. and every school project I was making a, a, a film for. And then when I, I moved to America when I was 16 and it, it went from like little jackass tapes to these mock short films that I was making with my friends in high school. Uh, and I, I didn't realize at the time, but I was like directing. Right. I, I was rallying people to show up after school and be a part of something. Yeah. Um, which is, I'm sure your own origins is, is, it, it's just that. And, yeah. and it was, you know, cutting these things, putting them on YouTube, interacting with audiences. Um, and it was that. Like, and, and then I also, I was getting a lot of like, editing and, and shooting work in high school. I mm-hmm. work for this company called Bowler's Life, which is... I remember that. Yeah, it's a big... It, it's a huge basketball company now. And I was I was like one of the first three to five guys involved with that. So while I was in high school, they were flying me out to tournaments in Vegas and I was shooting mixed While you were, you were living in Australia? No, no, no. I was living in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, in Boulder. So, right. Okay, got it. It was... I was flying out to these and, and doing this really cool, exciting stuff. And While you were in it. high school? Yeah. And, and these things were, it was like the fun days of YouTube and this stuff was getting millions of views, the things that I would film and cut and that, that my friends at the company were filming and cutting. So it was, it was awesome. And, and I was just kind of naturally gravitating towards things that I enjoyed and things that I love. And I had no idea at the time that I was like building a skill set that would- right. Contribute to my survival yeah. for, for the rest of my life. But Yeah, for those of you that don't know, uh, Tyson is like seven feet tall as well. So basket- <laughs> filming basketball and being able to do that kind of stuff is a good thing. I wasn't the uh, best at basketball. Though, and that, I think that's why I, I loved that first job. It's like I was filming the best kids in the world, like the, in the country, the best high school prospects that are yeah. all in that NBA right now. So it, That's cool. It was fun for me. It was a dream, you know. That's awesome. And I remember, I remember, and this transitioning probably pretty soon into film school, I remember in film school, even before we became roommates, there was already this kind of like talk around the campus that you, this guy named Tyson was kind of like this wonder kid of, of making stuff at far advanced above many of your classmates. And I saw it immediately too. And I imagine a lot of that came from this early experience of you just like naturally gravitating towards things. It was all technical though. Like I'm I'm sure if you watch those short films right now, like, like there was no story going on. It was all, it was all stylistic and technical. And yeah, I, like I was the guy that everyone came to to cut. Yeah. yeah. No one knew how to like use a computer. You were the post wizard. <laughs> you're the one that taught me after effects. Like I learned after yeah, effects yeah. from you. You're probably, and you've probably leapfrogged me. Like you're, uh, some of the stuff you're doing is incredible. I don't know about that, but <laughs> I remember you giving me or like introducing me to Andrew Kramer. Uh-huh. Showing me the tutorials, the action essentials, that, you know, that, all that must make you like my grandpa. Because <laughs> then I passed <laughs> that, passed on, that to on to me. And I was like, well, I, I hadn't done, which is, which is interesting because I'm kind of the grandpa in the bunch. Yeah. You know? um, but it was tough. I mean, I was much older when I learned how to do any of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but 
I learned from because what, what what were your origin origins like? What you made a film, dude? I was you met I was in Pratt. finance and and long term retirement planning before any movie stuff. Yeah, and yeah, I Travis was that until two thousand eight and a half. You know, the housing bubble in two thousand eight like knocked me out. I had invested money in a company that turned out to be a Ponzi scheme, flipping properties that they weren't actually doing. Yeah, and so like I was in a tough spot, and then I went on wipeout. And then that all happened, which was I've hilarious. Seen, I've seen the footage. And that, yeah, you've seen it. You, you dream of it. Everyone dreams of the footage from my footage from Must Wipeout. see super yeah. shorts again. But yeah, ooh, those shorts. Mm. <laughs> anyway, um, so at that point, I was like, I got to get into entertainment. I had a band and in college and yeah. was excited about that stuff. But that made me want to get into writing and filmmaking. What, and, and what age, like what point in your life was that? I was, shoot, I mean- 30 something. I was thir in my 30s. How old? You were 19. That's so I was 32. Like that, I was 32 years old. That's a, it's, it's brave to pick it up and pursue it at that age. And, and 32 is still so young. I'm 30 right now and I feel like a dinosaur. But to, <laughs> to start at ground zero at I, that age is Yeah, awesome. it was weird. It was weird given that I was married already for near like 10 years. Yeah. And I had two kids, one on the way. No, I had three kids. No, two. I had two kids because yeah. it was 10 years ago that that episode aired. But we met during our, my knife uh, thesis film. Cross, Cross, yeah. I remember it. it yeah. Was awesome. <laughs> and, and I want to get into your thesis as well. Well, actually, I don't remember if it was your thesis. I don't want to talk about my thesis. What was, which, what, what <laughs> was the bad. one you did with, uh, with Gigi? What was that one? Was that your thesis Wait, or no? G I, what did I do with Gigi? It was like your first collaboration No, no, no. That was, uh, it was like the midterm kind of thing. It, that one was awesome though. That yeah, one was cool. Turmoil, it was cool. Turmoil, yes. That. Turmoil was sweet. I remember Mitesh like, shot that. that was Mitesh yeah. shot that. He, to Tyson made this movie. It, was it like an apocalypse type movie? It was like it people was were- like a post-apocalyptic thing with zombies. I, yeah. It was, it was really <laughs> cool. And I remember again, like leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of the stuff that was coming out of, of your class. Yeah. But it was a lot of style, a lot of really cool camera work. You got some really cool production value. I remember you had like a freaking helicopter, a helicopter in that. Yeah. yeah, I was like, how did he pull this off as in a film, you know, as a film no, student? One, one of the actors involved liked my stuff and it, every short I wanted to do, he just paid for it. Which yeah. Was like, <laughs> I, like, I didn't have any- What? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I, I didn't have any money back then. So it's like, it. I don't recall, when we were making those shorts at NIFA, we had to, did we have to self-finance? Yeah, they didn't give us any money. They gave us gear, <laughs> but no money. Yeah, I recall. Well, that saves you a lot. It does. Everything I ever did, I recall just doing it guerrilla. Yeah. I never, because yeah, we were all just shooting in each in other's terms apartment. Of, in terms of like permits and things, is that yeah, what you're talking and about? And I wasn't going to be the guy that shot something in the white walled carpeted apartment. It's honestly, yeah. looking back, it's kind of crazy actually that we were tasked with making what a dozen short films through that year. And yet none of them were fun. Like we were expected to basically fund them all ourselves. They did give us gear, but that yeah, didn't yeah. include craft services, you know, hotels or location fees, permit fees, which are a thing in LA. Like, yeah, yeah. it was well, just crazy. Well, I mean, look, look, part of the reason I think this podcast is important is because there are issues with the way things have traditionally been done. And most people in the industry, I feel, come from enough money that they don't worry about the day-to-day -day, mm -hmm. that most of us who came from nothing, uh, have to worry about in addition to getting something made and paid for. You know what I mean? Like if I'm a, if, if, if my family is super wealthy or has, I have like, you know, uh, an inheritance or something that's just 
puts money in my pocket every month. I'm not worried about food or rent. So yeah. I can just like goof off or like pay an extra thousand or a couple thousand bucks for a short film. That's not a big deal. But when you're like, I'm working two jobs to pay rent and for this film school. And now I got to pay for a film. Like that's tough. That's mm -hmm. a hard thing to do. It's really tough. And I, I saw a lot of incredibly talented people kind of fall off and, and move out of LA by way of just not being able to afford these things. I was so lucky in that right after film school, I got a job like doing commercials with this commercial production company that, that kept me employed for several years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I, f I, I feel like what would have happened to me with, if, if I didn't find this guy on Craigslist who was actually doing like really cool stuff and gave me great responsibilities right away. Right. Um, because it, I, I didn't have runway at all uh, and, and I wouldn't have lasted long. And, or if I didn't have the skill set, like I said, I was the only one in my class that could cut. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, without else, the ability to do that, your excellent directing skills would have never been displayed. Exactly. And and there were there was a lot of people like in my class that were that were like amazing directors and they it's they they just could, they couldn't survive in L A and it's, yeah yeah I'm, some of them now are starting to reappear and and make uh, films Robin Anderson yeah I remember guy, him I remember him amazing first film and he's he making a second film and yeah built a production company out in Sweden so so what do you say then film school yay or nay should people there, there was utility for me in film school in the people like you. Mm -hmm. Uh, all of my friends and peers, it's, I, I don't know if I believe in like the four year film school kind of thing. Yeah. Our situation was awesome. Cause we were, I remember were both, the were you both in the one year we were, yeah. And it's different classes, but we both yeah. did the I, same. I'll speak. Cause we were a couple months apart. I think yeah. my first day I was on like, we were in the back lots of, of universal, the Western back lots with like 35 mil cameras. Yeah. Uh, shooting stuff. Mm -hmm. And I have friends that did four-year program at some school and they didn't shoot anything until the fourth year wow oh, and like gee. you said it was it was like insane it was actually a lot of work that we did have to to make multiple movies over this short compact schedule and we yeah. had to not only make our own but work on everybody else's and yeah we had to be crew on everyone everyone's learn every aspect everything. which is so much better to help you be more well-rounded yeah, exactly yeah. and it, it, once you've held the boom mic and pushed the dolly uh it and rigged the lights uh, and, and shot the thing and cut the thing, you you, you get perspective on every kind of yeah. angle. That's pretty of, much of what action. I tell people too when they ask me because we get a lot of young people who ask, you know, about film school, recommendations and stuff. And pretty much what we always tell people about film school is it's really about the connections. It's about the relationships you make. I wouldn't be where I am without that those relationships. I would yeah. never have met Travis. Sadly, you know. that's kind of an expensive friendship. It is. It's expensive <laughs> and it's to like make a that. faux friendship. It's not real. But, you know? yeah. but at the same time, here's the thing. If you're just super talented, kind of like you were, but you're out in the middle of- And say still ne are. Say Nebraska. And still are. Yeah, still are. <laughs> But you're out in the middle of nowhere, out in the sticks, Nebraska. I wish I, I, wish I saw myself like you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> you, you wouldn't really get anywhere until you meet someone, until yeah. you meet that person that's going to give you that connection to this, to that. It's like, 
It's all about the connections at the end of the day, no matter yeah. how talented you are or not talented you are. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. There's some people out there that aren't that talented <laughs> oh in the gosh. industry yeah. that have crazy connections and are making crazy deals. And, and crazy like, resources to money. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, uh, do you really deserve that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But Tyson is definitely one of those people that deserves it. He's super talented. I want to get back to your shorts. Uh-huh. Uh, but before that, we got to discuss probably the most important shorts you've ever made with me. Uh, as as a director and you as an actor. Uh, I'm so jealous of these because (laughs) they were kind of my idea and then you guys went and did some really awesome ones and I was like really bummed. It was was Travis's idea. I will give him the credit because I was talking to Travis on the phone about the Pepsi commercials and Doritos commercials that the Super Bowl puts on. Yeah, put on the contest. The contest. When we, it kind of lined up perfectly when we were straight out of film school the uh, Doritos and and Pepsi would do these contests every Super Bowl, uh, where you would you would self submit these uh, funny commercials you made, and they would pay you a ton of money if they liked yours and air it on the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. You came to me with this hilarious pitch that, yeah. that we made something that was so wildly inappropriate and dark <laughs> and violent and twisted. <laughs> And I was like, sign. And I got to beat the <laughs> shit out of you. So <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. It would be absolutely <laughs> awful to play something of this nature as a commercial during the Super Bowl. Worse than like uh, Janet Jackson's wardrobe (laughs) malfunction. Like you just play it off like, oh, we submitted our commercial. I don't know why they didn't take it, you know, but it's like, it's really ultra violent. It's ultra. We we, we (laughs) call them the banned Pepsi commercials, B-A-N-N-E-D, banned Pepsi commercials, because they were, as they said, so violent that there's no way that Pepsi would have taken them. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, I say them because we made two of them. We had the first one that we made, and then we made a sequel because it was so much fun to do. Um, if you're watching this episode on YouTube, I'll post a few clips. I won't go. Into, I'll probably have to blur some stuff out, to be honest, because I, I don't want oh, yeah. the entire keep, frame. Keep the show PG here, <laughs> but you can look these videos up on uh, on our Tremendum YouTube channel. Just look up the band Pepsi commercials Tremendum on YouTube. They're pretty freaking funny, and and Tyson stars in both of them as the guy that's kicking my butt and literally killing me on la- on national television. You're kind of unkillable in those things. <laughs> yeah, it's like-, like Peter Griffin and the giant chicken in Family Guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I look back so fondly on those because it was kind of like the bookend of the, when we, we were all living together and when we were all amateurs. Yeah. Uh, and we were all acting in each other's stuff. And it was kind of, our days were like waking up and it's like, what, what skit can we do today? Yeah. Uh, me, you, Brendan, Justin, yep. Alan and John, like everyone yeah. who was involved with those. And it was like when I started making my short films and then uh, it, I, I became very precious about like my name and my work. And it was also just a different time with the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember those got featured on Funny or Die. Do you remember that? Yeah, that's right. And yeah. it was it was kind of the internet was just like the Wild West where anything goes and there was yeah, it, it was a ton of fun and I, I love it because it, it'll, I'll always like maintain the joy in filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's what, that's what it, I was about to say is like, it's it, one of those purest forms of creation. And I think that's what people love about TikTok and Instagram and these totally. these forms today where you can make something, put it out and get instant reaction all in the same day. Yeah. And it's awesome. It's the, it's the most exhilarating feeling and it is the exact opposite of what we experience making feature films because yeah. <laughs> you are waiting years. You shoot well, it, you know, takes a year to get through a, a basic edit and a rough edit. Yeah. 
that that's why I'm so stoked for you guys that you have this as a like this podcast because you can turn things around kind of weekly. That's the hope. And, We're yeah. hoping to have this regularly and talk to awesome people like yourself, hear your stories. Did you want to hear my idea for the band Pepsi commercial? That uh, <laughs> 3.0 or the original? <laughs> the original idea. Yeah, give us it's some. pretty bad. So this is to way. give you an idea of how bad these commercials were going to be. So my thought was, is like, you have this beautiful scene uh, in a hospital. You have this, this mother and father and she's in labor and she's giving birth to this beautiful child. And the doctor's like, here, dad, you know, here's the, here's the first one, but you have twins. Beautiful you know? baby boy. Beautiful baby boy. And yeah. he's like, son, you know, and the dad is just holding it in his the arms, beautiful yeah. baby. And then, and then the second baby comes out. And it's this beautiful two liter bottle of Pepsi Max. Uh (laughs) And as soon as the dad sees it, he throws the baby, it smacks the wall and just (laughs) like slides down like a cartoon. You know, and then then he goes for the Pepsi Max two liter and he's holding it like, oh, you know, and he's just so excited. And like, and that's the commercial essentially. Like the mom's all like, give me the baby. (laughs) You have to sketch up storyboards and make an automatic out of that to play over. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) It's so bad. It was so. It's well, like, oh, how awful! But we did the best we could do, not having a hospital or a, a doctor or a baby in film school. But those were fun. Like, as well as how much fun it was for us to make, like to watch what everybody else across America was making was so much. fun. Yeah, there were some really cool things yeah, made. Yeah. I want to get back to your shorts. I think the first really groundbreaking sci-fi short you did, if, correct me if I'm wrong, was Exist. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Exist was pretty freaking cool. Tell us a little bit about that process. We're going to show, if you're watching, again, if you're watching on YouTube, guys, subscribe on YouTube if you haven't yet. Tremendum on YouTube so you can watch these episodes as well because we do show some cool clips. We're, of course, happy to just, if you're happy to listen, that's amazing too. But check it out on YouTube so you can see some of this stuff. But tell us about Exist, how it came to be, and some of the, you know, highs and lows of that production. It, it... To this day, like, still might be my favorite thing I've ever made because it was so, it was so uh, pure and instant. And it was the whole thing, like, from the inception of the idea to shooting and locking picture on that was 24 hours. Wow. That's uh, so cool. Uh, tell us, <laughs> tell us the concept. Tell us what it is, kind of the basics. Yeah. What's the log line on Without, that? Without- uh, it, It's my pitch when I was going around to studios was it's Close Encounters meets Kids. Like it's this really gritty street version, uh, uh, street style kind of POV of these two guys milling about downtown LA and one of them gets abducted in broad daylight. And he's this immigrant who's uh, a Lansing guy plays a French immigrant. He's just trying to make a, his, a name for himself in America and he's a loser and he's a nobody and he gets abducted and all of a sudden he's the most important person in the world. Mm-hmm. This short though, it, it's a found footage kind of thing. That, yeah. Um, but so it, the, the idea first came from, I was watching a documentary called Man on Wire about the French guys that uh, tightrope between the World Trade Centers. Mm-hmm. And there was this image of the guy in between the World Trade Centers and and thousands of people down below kind of staring up at him and it, i it just it clicked instantly like it looked like an abduction to me this man kind of hovering in and and it being in broad daylight as opposed to all the you know close all the counters. tropes like yeah. it's nighttime it's spooky it's a no like field. Yeah. yeah and yeah i was like just broad what would happen if this was just broad daylight and everybody saw it and i I was with two actors at the time, like because we we everybody lived in the same apartment complex, mm-hmm. and I, uh, 
I pitched them the idea. They loved it. And I wrote this little, like maybe five or six page script. We'd stayed up all night kind of rehearsing it. And then we just caught the subway to downtown and we just started shooting it in the subway. Yeah. We didn't go to bed. Like we just went straight to downtown and started shooting the thing. It, it took me a couple of weeks maybe to finish post on that. But I remember putting it online. I cut together like a trailer for the thing. Yeah, I remember it. Um, Zach Lemon did music for it, right? Is that right? No, that I used a Godspeed track for the trailer. Oh, okay. No, for the actual short film, he, he did, did the yeah. music. Yeah. Um, and I put it on I put it on YouTube just for fun because I, I was I was so proud of this little. It was like a trailer for a short film, which I would never do. Now. Yeah, yeah. And I I don't even know how this happened back then, but I, my cell phone started getting calls from studio heads, mm. and I, I must have had like a, a website or something online, but li- literally like the heads of studios and some of the biggest execs in this town, because they thought I'd made this independent feature film. Uh, it, was, it just didn't have distribution. It was like, yeah. oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everyone was like bummed when I was like, oh, it's only a short, but they were still like, we we want to see it. We want to meet you. Um, and the short the short did really well. It was, it was received well online. It got featured on a ton of blogs, but it was my, it got my foot in the door as like a 19 year old in, into every studio in town. Yeah, dude, you were 19. I was about to say, that was my next question. And I, was, I like, was living with you. Yeah, we were, time, right? you were, I was still with you when you did that one for sure. Yeah. And that's the part that still amazes me to this day is how, how much you blossomed from that short. Like you said, getting contacted by these studio people, having these crazy big meetings as a 19 year old filmmaker. It, yeah, and it was, I was obviously way too young to capitalize on any of it. And it's like, as, like I, I obviously did have a bit of talent, but it was so raw, and I was not, I was not like the son of the film director who was raised in LA and who had been on film sets his whole life. And I think I, I probably would have reeked of that going into every one of those rooms. It's like this kid's great, really creative, can execute, but like he he needs years and years and years to develop and learn how to tell story. Mm. I I was making these short films, and it, it, it's not that like like I love science fiction, but it's not that that's all that I wanted to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was this cl- uh, class of director. The, it was Duncan Jones and Josh Trank and Ryan Johnson and Gareth Edwards and Rory Robinson. Uh, all these guys went from short film to feature film. Yeah. And it was entirely feasible that you as somebody who had never made something before could make a cool little short film and then get, get 20, a huge like movie $20 million. Dollars right. To, and I was... I was attached to projects of that scale. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I was just kind of young and in over my head, but it, 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 it was totally feasible. And then these, it was kind of, all of those directors I just listed, their first films had like huge success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it was kind of like follow-up films and follow-up projects and, and copycats and imitators. It, like these films just started failing one after another after another. Yeah. And all of a sudden it wasn't cool to to be like the science fiction short filmmaker. So. Mm, right. Interesting. Yeah. So you feel like you maybe missed the wave of that a little bit, like just barely or something. Yeah, it, like it was what it was. And it, it, I'm, I, it, it, it's what got my foot through the door and what got me speaking. Because I went straight from like film school classmates, like who, who were the same as me, who had never done anything to being in rooms with like yeah, amazing execs who have produced films that I've grown up on and loved and, so it, that's the purpose that served in my life. Yeah, it was time. still you. And again, we talked about this on the podcast with uh, Ryan. It's the journey, you know? Yeah, yeah. So look back and you see, and you, you reminisce and you think about this journey you took and how amazing it was. 
and all the lessons you learned along the way in the good times and the bad, probably mostly in the bad, you know, like the things you took away from it. And honestly, being in the indie world, having worked with the studio world, which we have on on just about all our, our films, there's elements of control and artistic, uh, uh, you know, license that you lose by working in those environments. Totally. Some of the directors you mentioned, like some are fine, but like some of them went on to go do some things and they got just eaten alive by the studio execs on yeah. some of those films. And it, I, I see why that happens. And I felt this in some of those rooms that I was in. It's like, I made these short films with my best friends. Right, uh, right. And I got to assemble my team and my crew and make the things how I wanted to make them. And it, it's, and I was in rooms with some of these people and I, I was like, I can't see myself, I can't like see us pairing up and, and doing this thing for years of our lives. Yeah. 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 There's not like such a shared, camaraderie. Shared commitment and, yeah. and, or even just uh taste. Well, it's, yeah. it's funny how yeah. like so intricate, small little details too in, a, in telling a visual story in a film can totally make or break something, you know? And Absolutely. You as a filmmaker have these very intricate tapestries woven in your head. You know exactly where the pieces are going to go and how they're going to connect. Even if people are improving, even if people are things are throwing curveballs, you're yeah, yeah. taking it and you're like, okay, yep, that's going to work here. No, that's not going to work. Let's cut that. You, you're You're doing that live in real time yeah yeah. studio executives they just pop in and they're just like uh yeah yeah, i don't don't really like that and they have no consideration as to all the things that it's going to affect down the line yeah (laughs) and so i that's where you see these tragic you know downfalls of big studio movies where there's a lot of so we hear studio interference and things just go off the rails like suicide squad or justice league or you know some of these things sorry dc i threw two of you out there uh (laughs) i mean there's uh, that jack that jack the giant slayer one that one had the same thing like do we make it pg for kids or man that's it needs to be heavier well we can't go r so it's like it lands somewhere in the middle that doesn't serve any audience yeah you know um uh, that happened with fantastic four too with josh uh trank uh you know i who knows? Maybe a lot of that was his fault. Maybe, but I, I'm sure there was fault all around because Fox was notorious for, you know, taking projects and kind of flipping them on their heads without the director's, you know, take on things, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, which or without their their artistic, you know, integrity that they had when they were filming it. So if you're going to do that kind of stuff, it really makes for a kind of a jumbled mess. Yeah, it always does, and and. What what never fails, like even if it's a misfires, like seeing somebody's completed vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do believe it. Like f- filmmaking is so collaborative, and you do need hundreds of people to be involved with it and to to contribute. But at the end of the day, it needs to be driven home by a singular voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and 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 you know, hopefully with the help of yeah. Yeah, uh, people that are sharing that that vision and, and adding to it. It's yeah. like you but need to it, have a a a single vision, but everyone needs to have their eyes singled to that vision. Yeah, yes, and, exactly. And, to, and I've seen films that I didn't love or didn't feel like they were strong, but it, it, as long as it was that like singular, it's you, there's always something to take away from those movies, uh, and it, it's so much better than watching the thing that was like clearly intended to be one thing and then. It became something else over yeah. the course of months and months of just that's interesting of stripping it down and, and transforming it into something it's not. And it, it's, I think it's cool though for us 
to be able to have still worked independently with our friends, with our crew, with our team. We're like the independent version of, you know, uh, Adam Sandler movies. You know how he gets all his team and his people together and they just go make movies and have fun. Somewhere exotic. And write it off in Fiji yeah. or in uh, Hawaii or wherever. Yeah, yeah. Like we haven't had those budgets because we don't have, you know, the same name recognition as Adam Sandler does from his great career. But- You'll get that. But all the movies that we've been making, we've been able to make our way. Yeah. yeah. We're here with Tyson Johnson, everybody. I just want to tell you about him one more time because he's so awesome he's a writer he's a director he's a filmmaker he's done amazing things again editor visual effects, visual effects all of the catering, all the catering whole yeah everything a lot like us i mean we've worn all these hats and um i think to be a really good filmmaker you do need to go through all of that uh tyson i want to focus on the writing for a second you have written a lot of your own material if not all of it um Tell us about two, a two-part question here. Tell us about the writing process, how you've be developed as a writer, and also what kind of advice could you give to someone because you have been in so many pitch meetings and I feel like you've, you've kind of run the gamut of how to pitch projects as a writer-director. What are your top pieces of advice for pitching a project to a studio. So writing and, and pitching. I want to hear about I've both. Found, I'm actually a, a terrible pitcher. <laughs> I, I, it, it's so uncomfortable to me and I, I hate it. What what I love is having written something that they've read and then just like pitching the execution of it. Right. Um, but yeah, for some reason, I, I'm just not, uh, I'm not salesy. I'm not that guy. I know people that do it really But you have to be in, well, to no, a I, degree. I, I can be like once, once they've read the thing yeah. and loved it, and then I can sit with them and tell them how we're going to do it. And, yeah. and that's exciting for well, me. Well, that's just exciting. talking about what you love. Yeah. And, that's, and, that's and, and what I'm easier. Yeah. What I'm good at. I, I can't sit across from someone and, and convince them to give me money to write something. And it's like, I've, I've, I've done that. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's, there is like a sense of conmanship to it, even though I know that I can write and I can back it up. It's yeah. like, I'm just more comfortable writing the thing. Yeah. But there is like, so after, after the, those, that first wave of short films that I'd done, um, I, I I saw that people that were on that path weren't making movies, um, like people that needed a lot of money, and so I, I kind of just like recalibrated, and I sat down with my manager, and he kind of like he he just looked at my work that I'd done, and he's like, "What what type of movies do you want to make?" And I, I pitched him the type of stuff that that I was into, and he said, "You need to you need to learn to write because he's like those scripts aren't going to fall into your lap." And it it was the best advice I'd I'd ever been given because because I was a I was a director at that time when I was meeting about projects I was meeting as the director and they would have writers attached or I would bring my own writers on, um, and he like he he really hammered me, and, and held me accountable for learning how to write. Mm -hmm. And and this was I was reading as many scripts as I could every week of my life. Every time there was a press release about a movie I wanted to see, I'd ask for the script. Every every year the blacklist came out, I'd read as much as I could. Um, every time I saw a trailer for a film I loved, I'd I'd email my manager and say, "Get me that script." Mm. Every time a one of my friends wrote something, I would read every single draft of it, and I and I still do, and I love that stuff. And it it was like a it was a long frustrating process of learning how to write, but. It, it that's what led me to my first film mm. is I think that's great that you took the time 
to read all sorts of scripts. And that stuff gives you a much better idea of how to write yeah. and how to <laughs> not write. Yeah, no, exactly. It, so it, that, it, that's a big deal is taking the time, honing the skill, honing your understanding of what a script should be. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's something that we still struggle with in terms of writing a script. We kind of, we've been getting better, but we don't frame ourselves as, we don't fancy ourselves as writers. More, as, I think more you than should, filmmakers. That is like as fans of your work, uh, I was telling Chris this today when we were picking up lunch, it's like that, my favorite, like I love the stuff that you've written and directed and built from the ground up. And that, <laughs> like my favorite filmmakers are the writer-directors, like the, um, the guys that have built something out of nothing. And, and if not for, for them, uh, it, it wouldn't exist. Mm. And it, I, like yeah. that's, that to me is in your DNA, like, like both uh, you two as a team. Yeah. Um, oh, we appreciate that. We def <laughs> it's something we definitely want to get better at. We, we recently had a, a, a script dump, if you will, of, of a lot of scripts. Was it last year? Maybe the year before. I think it was last year. It was early last year. We we had a bunch of scripts sent to us from like this, 20 or this 30 cool, scripts. Really cool producer who was just eager to do something with us. And, and we're looking to do something with him as yeah. well. Yeah. And it was just, it was cool to just dive into all these scripts from various writers and learn different patterns of writing, what's good, what feels off, you mm -hmm. know, like, and just absorb it all like some, a sponge. Some of them were really great. Some of them were like, look, for the budget it would take to do this, it just doesn't seem like a good business decision, and, even though it might have been fun. And yeah, we're, yeah. of course, looking at all of them through the lens of, can we make this in Fresno? Can we produce this? Can like, we, yeah, as yeah. an indie film yeah. production company, right? Uh, does it make sense? Because when we're at the plate, we've got to hit home runs, uh -huh. you know, uh, at least triples, you know, but but we got we to gotta come all the way home with those films. We're not like a studio where we can pump money into it and then, uh, you know, buy enough you know, marketing to get the, the money back. Like yeah, yeah. even on bad films, which happens all the time, a big studio will make a film that's like, oh, that movie stunk. But they had enough marketing to get it in the world and the, in, in the minds of everyone to go buy their 10, 12, $15 tickets yeah, yeah. that it worked out. They can do that kind of stuff. Uh, ours, independent film, you have to know what you're doing. You have to focus so hard to make sure that that one project you're working on turns into a home run. Yeah. Because otherwise it could take you out of the business for the rest of your life. So, no, totally. Yeah, that's a great, a great point. You and, mentioned- and, But, go, but go you guys know your, uh, like you you know yourselves as filmmakers and, and as tremendous, like the, that was a film that you guys built from the ground up. The gallows. Like you wrote that on our floor, the first outline. Yeah, when we yeah, together. yeah. That- uh, was a script you obtained from someone else. And it- No, we developed that with a person, our- our neighbor's sister. So you developed it. We, yeah. yeah, we talked to her. Gonna, what, we, I, what I was going to say is that it it feels like like your DNA that movie. Mm. Yeah, uh, and ob like obviously her perspective on it was incredible. And but it 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 didn't feel like you just taken someone else's script and made it. Like it it felt tonally and atmospherically the same as the gala. I appreciate that. And speaking of held, by the way, for those of you listening, uh, you mentioned this just a second ago, and I want to come back to it. Writer directors, I know you've always had a a a yeah, appreciation for writer directors who are some of your favorite filmmakers and why and and why should s some of these filmmakers be paid attention to paul thomas anderson uh damien chazelle andrea arnold uh lynn ramsey chris nolan mm -hmm. um ryan johnson it's like i i love People that are making really personal films, like on a on a large scale, yeah, and not large as in the production of it, but like philosophically, psychologically. Like Memento is a huge film, yeah, and it's like his, 
like production wise, it's his smallest, but it feels like one of his biggest. Like right. it's, uh, that's it, an immense psychological. Is it, is it possible? Do you think that that's the way directors are now? I mean, like used to be, you could, you know, a director was separate from the writer, but I feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. studios and people are wanting a writer director because they're going to get a director that's more intimate, intimately familiar with the script than anyone else. They don't have it, to try to deal with two different chefs in the kitchen, you know? It's, it's like hard, if the director yeah, knows it, all about the writing, they can execute better. Yeah. But it, I, I look around at my friends that are making movies. They got their first couple movies off the ground. They're all, all writers. And that, that's how you guys got your first. It's a real, it's a real <laughs> entrepreneurial spirit yeah, to it. It's it, like you're, you're writing it. You're you're running it from the ground up. You know, you're the guy, you're the captain you're of the, the ship. The person to do it. And yeah. it, it's like who who is going to give you a shot as a director if like unless you're being really proactive about it and chasing screenwriters and convincing like convincing them to develop material for you. It's like it, it's not like it once was where you were like a great stage director and they would bring you on and pair you up with a right. screenwriter and put you in a bungalow and yeah. develop something and, and give you a several pitch a deal. That's to, kind of the old way. I it's wanna, not that way I, I want to emphasize one thing in there too, that for young filmmakers listening to this or watching this, writing your idea down or even just having an idea doesn't cost a thing. Nothing. It's the, it's the one piece, if not the only piece of the movie making process that doesn't cost you a dime. Writing yeah. an idea down, yeah. having an idea, just outlining it in your mind or on paper and 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 thinking on it and adding to it doesn't cost you anything. So if you have ideas, that's good. Write them down. You know, keep track of them. Put it, put them in your journal. Start learning how to write those things out in a way that can be explained to other people. What really excited me when I f first dove like headfirst into screenwriting was I'd, I'd come from this place of getting myself, <laughs> exhausting myself over years and years and years making these short films. Uh, because it took a long time to uh, to shoot them, to cut them, to do all the VFX. Like I think with Luna, I was in post for like a year just doing every single shot of that movie. There's a lot of cool VFX in that yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. For those of you watching again, just and if you're not and you want to look it up later, look up Tyson Johnston's films, Lunar Seed, Exist. The visual effects are really cool. Sorry, and it, Yeah, and, and that, uh, I think Precog Studios and Rolf Mahor were, were – partners on that helping mm -hmm. uh bring but i was doing all the compositing myself that's but right then when it came to, to screenwriting it's just you and a laptop uh and you can you can you can do it all yeah and, and there's there's nothing there's no restraint there's no restrictions yeah yeah it, it's just your own uh persistence and your own work ethic and your own uh ed education that's all it is. And it, yeah. I have friends that have made millions and millions of dollars <laughs> just off of that, off of their, out of their apartment. Yeah. And there was something really, when I made my first film, that was something I never really got over. It was this big, for me it was big, this multi-million dollar thing that, it, and I was like, I wrote this in my bedroom in my underwear. <laughs> and, and Thank you for that visual. Yeah, but it, I like that. <laughs> and 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 but I that was always trippy to me. I was like, this is, this is uh, that's all it was. It was just me in a room for yeah. a it, yeah, couple we, months, just just getting it done. We had a similar experience when we were sitting in Chris's room in our little tiny three bedroom condo with my kids and my wife and my family. His we were we were in his bedroom slash our office, and yeah. we had just received the file 
of the WB New Line logo to put in front of our little movie that we edited and made in that bedroom. And wait, wait, the, we, all of that happened. It was, like, that, it was like the file. It was the Warner <laughs> Brothers logo, their MOV 4K file or whatever. And it was on our computer from them. So I have to note, like you said earlier that my trailer going viral, like helped, like helped you guys kind of strategize and, and inspired you. But the, the gallows poster going up on the Water, Warner Brothers sound stages <laughs> that we walked by every <laughs> single day of our lives Dude, to go to awesome. school. We, walking to NIFA, Chris and I lived on N Pass in, in Burbank. And and we walked by those sound stages every day, every day of our lives. And there are these big, like fifty foot posters. Oh, they're yeah. huge! And you you know, it's it, as a kid, you you look at them with dreamy eyes, and you're like, my poster is going to be up there one day. And you guys actually did it <laughs> <laughs> within like a, it was such an outrageous turnaround from getting out of film school to having your poster. Dude, there. that was wild. I gotta admit, I, we did not expect anything like that. It yeah. was so great. We went and took pictures. I, I remember. I, no, I remember seeing the photos. I saw it in the flesh too. I drove by a few times, but yeah, it was truly one of the trippiest things I've ever seen in my life. And I can't like, yeah. How, how did that feel for 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 both of you? I oh, mean, it was just it was just surreal. I mean, yeah, I guess that's the best word for it, but. I remember thinking the exact same thing. It's like I biked this path every day on my stupid little bike going to film school. And, yeah. you know, they'd have Ellen posters or Justice League, whatever they were touting at the time. And and then yeah. to see Gallows up there was just like, what? They actually, what? oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> it, it can happen. Did, it you, can wait, happen. did, did you know that we're going to do that? Did no, we didn't know. I that. don't remember <laughs> even how we learned of it. I think someone posted a picture, Shut one of the cast, up. or yeah. someone was like, oh my was gosh, so cool. And we're like, yeah. what? Yeah. We have like a 50, 60 foot poster on the side of a soundstage at Warner Brothers. And and that's when Chris was like, I would ride my bike from my little apartment uh, to New York Film Academy along that pathway. And I can't believe we now have a poster up there yeah. for our independent film. <laughs> it's wild. Well, that, that photo needs to be hanging in the office. It's, we've, 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 got a, we've got a picture. We're going to have to throw that up in this episode. It is, it is a cool picture. I know I put it on my Instagram. What's the best place to check out these shorts of yours? Is it on Vimeo or? Vimeo or YouTube, yeah. yeah. Vimeo or YouTube. Um, but again, look them up. Tyson Johnston with a T in there. Yeah. That's right. They're all really, <laughs> really, really cool. And and they these were, they're both, keep in mind too, they were before a lot of the sci-fi movies you've seen as of late. They These predated a lot of those movies. So that it's really cool stuff. T Tyson, what are some what are some, you're quite the connoisseur of movies, especially um, sci-fi and these indie type movies that break out. Uh -huh. What are some stories that have inspired you, be it from an actor, a film set, a director, things that you've heard about in, in just the industry, stories from set that have inspired you and just wowed you uh, at things that were pulled off in a crazy way? I don't have an answer for that right now. I'm trying to think, like, give me an example of something you would, you would. Um, so like. Uh, El, Mari El Mariachi, you know, like Robert, Robert Rodriguez yeah, yeah, yeah. making that movie for, what did he make it for? Like $7,000 or mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. and uh, stuff like that. Like I, I, we love hearing stories like that of people getting things done in unconventional ways, not letting anything hold them back, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, do, I have a cool story recently that it, I'm not going to say the filmmaker's name, but like she's a close friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And she'd made this movie that I felt was amazing. And I saw it th maybe three years ago. Mm -hmm. And she didn't, she couldn't find distribution for this movie, which blew my mind because I, I genuinely thought it was an amazing movie. 
uh, and and I thought about it often. And I would, when I was out to dinner with people, I would I would talk about this movie. Like it, it was one of those films that's that's controversial and that asks big questions. And and I couldn't shut up about this thing. And I had tough conversations with this woman where she thought she'd failed and and done a bad job. Mm. And she had to, she she moved out of LA. She got a job doing something else. And it it crushed me because it was like she belonged in the big leagues, like working. And it came out recently and it, it got rave reviews everywhere. New York Times, New Yorker, uh, LA Times, Chicago, like the, the, the biggest outlets you could, it, it's probably got like a hundred on Rotten Tomatoes and it's, it, and her career has launched. And I just thought, I, I thought that was incredible that the same thing that everyone is telling you, uh, they can't pick up. It's like the second the audience got their hands on it, they ate it up. They loved it. Yeah, that's, and that, that's been really I, cool. I've never been, but the industry kind of just trod it under their feet. Yeah, and and I would still like to know why. Yeah, why did that happen? <laughs> How yeah. did something so good slip through the cracks of the people who are supposed to be the experts? Yeah. It's it well. It's a great story of perseverance too. Like you said, your friend like basically gave up. Like I thought oh, she it, failed, and like just I forgot to mention. Like she she maxed out her credit cards like making this movie. Oh wow! Uh, put to my knowledge, like put most of the money in herself. Wow! And you know, I know you guys have you've you financed your own movies, and it's a huge risk. Mm -hmm. It's you, it's massive, and that it's it's paid off for you guys. But imagine if it didn't. Yeah. Even, oh yeah. Even, I hate. I hate imagining if it didn't. And and several things are always like very close calls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Things aren't always as bad as they seem, but they're not as good as they seem. Yeah. You know, especially from the outsider's perspective. Like some people will see what happened and they're like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. But they don't understand that there's a lot behind the scenes that still is, you know, uh, a burden of work to do uh, yeah. uh, or a big risk that they just can't comprehend without going through it. Now- I'm glad to hear that she's seeing success because that, yeah. and I, I believe that's a testament to perseverance and really going for it the way she did. Uh -huh. You put everything into it and your heart and your soul, uh, um, a time will come when that will be seen. Recognized. And recognized and appreciated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's like she made, it, it was such a personal film that. And I found the the more personal the the films that you make are, it's like the more accessible they are to everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think the, these these things would feel, it's what execs feel uh, uh, isolating about a film is like, oh, nobody's going to want to see that. But the more particular and the more specific uh, a film is, it's like the 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 more it's going to click with people. Yeah, it's it's interesting how that works out. You know, you try to think in broad brush brush strokes as an executive. I feel like that's what they do. And you're right. It's most of those movies feel so detached. There's no characters that we love, no one we can relate to, yeah, yeah. no themes that are true to the, the story the, is too know, big. It's like empty in a way. Yeah. And and then you got a real personal story that may on the surface seem like it's just about this one person in in nine billion people. Yeah. But the story relates to literally nine billion people. Uh -huh. You know, it's like it's it's a universal truth and or could, message. And that's what I found watching the film is it, it changed my perspective on a few things. That's and that's uh, a powerful thing. Yeah, in a way, that. it it's really hard for anything to change your perspective on anything. Oh yeah, like everyone's. <laughs> but this, uh, and it was kind of like the Q and A session after the movie where we all uh, discussed 
the story where I realized that what I thought I, I, I can't go into detail about this because it would re reveal the film right, right? but what you thought it was about was maybe even deeper well, some things that I thought were uh, weren't uh, controversial in the film people found massively controversial mm, and I was like oh that's uh, my perspective just as a man watching this mm -hmm. I felt the way that that guy behaved was okay yeah and I would do the same thing in his situation right uh, the, the film's about a couple and 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 I was totally wrong and 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 the, the, the film taught me that and so uh, that, that's why it was such a talking point after interesting and another example uh, my friend and you guys were here for this uh, I mean Hal Baig made this incredible film called Hala mm -hmm. um and I, it was my first time seeing a friend. Uh, it was, you were the first friend I saw make a, a movie, um, and she was the second. It's like uh, I, we we were all a part of this group that was kind of coffee shop hopping around LA, just writing writing our films in Hollywood. And I, I saw how much work she put into that, and the stages of making a proof of concept, getting financing, casting, shooting the thing, post production. I was I was there for like a color session, and it was. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it had this huge premiere at Sundance, mm. uh, where we all hung out together. Yeah, awesome. yeah, we were there. The, <laughs> that was so just fun. that it was really trippy and surreal for me to this, just because I had a, a, a porthole kind of view into her process over the course of years leading up to the release of this movie, and then just seeing the eruption at, at Sundance, and it sold to Apple, and it was yes, stories like that, like like what you guys did with the gallows, what she did, and I was like, okay, the <laughs> I, I saw that guy on the floor writing the first outline of the gallows. I saw Minhal at a coffee shop writing the first pages of her script. And yeah. it's like, okay, the, what we're all tipping away at here is very accomplishable. Yeah, and it's all the same process. It's yeah. all the same thing. Yeah. You always, you, we, Travis and I will often say this. We're like, man, I wonder what the pros are doing. They're doing the same thing we're doing. <laughs> same, thing. <laughs> same exact thing. Also, something that's important for people to remember and understand is that if you don't feel like it's the hardest thing in the world, that you're doing, if you don't feel totally down or depressed at times, if you don't feel like it's in insurmountable uh, quest that you're on, uh -huh. um, you're not going to feel as elated when the success comes. Totally. Well, and you should be saying to yourself, or you should realize that that is normal. Yes. In the yeah, filmmaking yeah. process. It is normal to feel yeah. all those things. There was a... I, I see. I've not done any of the master classes, but I, I've I just seen. Got, I just got an account. It's amazing. Did you? I, yeah. I'll share that with us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I will get they, our. Wait, own. they made it so you can't. Uh, okay, <laughs> never mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I always see the ads for them, and there's one I saw uh, for Ron Howard's, mm -hmm. and the, the bullet the bullet point in the preview was every movie you make is going to find its way to breaking your heart, <laughs> and I'm like, yep, Several that's times. so true. I mean, yeah. it's so true. But it just goes to show how invested a filmmaker and an artist has to be to see it through all the way through to completion and how invested you really need to be. And, and yeah, when things don't go the way that, you know, your friend planned or whoever planned and yeah, things, yeah. you know, wrenches are thrown, it will crush you. It will literally crush you, but you'll be okay. You're going to make <laughs> well, it through. But that's why it's so important to pursue the right ideas, like to pursue a film that you can, uh, you can, like like Sisyphus, you can push that boulder up the hill yeah. over and over and over for for years and years on end. And that, if you didn't love the gallows, I'm sure there were times where you could have just let that boulder crush you on its way down the mountain. And that, it, 
my first film was the first thing that I wrote that truly was like the one thing that I could fight for. Yeah. You know, every filmmaker I've seen finish, like see something through to completion. It, it's the ideas that they, they cannot not see be made. Right. It's like, uh, the, it's like the idea of like, I've made this, I can die a happy person now. Yeah. You know, like I've got that idea made. Yeah. I yeah, saw yeah. it through. Tell but us. There, I remember you, you posted something on Instagram years ago, uh, about the creative process. It, it was a dumb little meme about you, you think it's the best thing in the world and you think it's the worst thing that's ever been done. Yeah. And just the, <laughs> the highs and lows, like the, like watching like an assembly cut for your film for the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's <laughs> I, horrendous. I remember like, like yeah. when I did my first cut of my film, all these individual scenes, I was like, I cut them as well as I could. And I was, I was sending them to friends and it was all, it was like, holy shit, like this is amazing. And then you watch this bloated like two hour 40 minute cut of something and it's yeah. like wh- what the hell have i done yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah you, and then you you think you failed and then you know and then you get in and you start ironing through and and then it starts to take shape and you're like okay it's my yeah. instinct was right like i knew i did something yeah right. you knew it was going to get there yeah exactly yeah. tell us a little bit about that actually now that we're on the, the topic of of your first feature streamline how was it making your first feature film tell us about the experience on set it, it was an amazing experience and it it you shot in Australia, right? Yeah, so that was like the coolest thing in the world to go back home. And I shot in the same city that I grew up in. Oh, okay, no way, that's cool. So my family was on set like every single day and I got to cast my cousins in the movie. Oh, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> it was amazing, but it, it was a really personal film that I'd, I'd written in like a uh, like a, a really low point in my life. And I and it, it grappled with a lot of like family history and family trauma and, and just personal trauma of mine. Um, and it was built like it, it, the story is a drama about a swimmer who's who's grappling with family traumas like concurrently on on this pursuit to become an Olympian. Mm. Starring so, uh, Levi Miller, right? Levi Miller, who's amazing, and um, uh, Jason Isaacs, and Jason Isaacs, and yeah. and this amazing cast of just uh, Australian talent. Who That's awesome. Were all unbelievable, but it. I I was like being a being a swimmer was my first dream growing up, and and Ian Thorpe. Australian Olympic gold. The <laughs> torpedo. You got to work with the torpedo on set, didn't I'll, I'll he? Send you, I'll send you the photo. You can flash it up. I love it. <laughs> no, he, like, this guy was my hero, like, growing up. Like, for, uh, I remember watching him in the Olympics, too, going, dang, the torpedo. Like, that's such a perfect name. It's like, he it's, was named yeah. for what he was put on this earth to he's do. A, he's an icon. Yeah. And so, they, I, I just developed this script that was about a world that I was like, I knew so much about and I was so fascinated about. It was, it was actually, there was a, a Lynn Ramsey um, short film called The Swimmer. It was, I saw that and it was the first time I'd seen swimming on film. And I was like, oh, this is actually like really cinematic. And oh, I, yeah. I love yeah. like my favorite films, uh, uh, like kind of recent film, like uh, Whiplash, Fox, Foxcatcher, Black Swan, uh, Rust and Bone. These really like visceral kind of athletic movies. Yeah. Uh, R- Raging Bull. Um, and I was like, I want to bring all of, I want to bring swimming into this like arena of filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. And so I wrote the most personal script that I could that, uh, about a character who was kind of grappling with what I was personally grappling with at that time. And I think be- because it was so real and, and so honest, it off of just the earliest draft of the script, we got financing kind of immediately. That's awesome. Um, through personal financiers and Screen Australia and Screen Queensland. And I literally within a year of me conceptualizing the idea to uh, 
like the, the, from the time it's like page one started right in an outline mm-hmm. to on set was under 12 months. That's awesome. That's amazing. Movies uh, take so much longer than that. They do. <laughs> they do. And people but, don't understand that. Like it takes years and years and years. Some, some decades. I mean, like. That'll we, never happen to me again. And it, yeah. it was yeah. just such a. I, I can't. We can't do that. We just. I can't do we, that. <laughs> you can't. I, I feel like indie filmmakers especially are like, we don't have the time to wait around for all the like different people to check all their own individual boxes to green light something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's how the system works. The system is that way. Well, the, the Australian system is actually pretty like amazing. Mm. Oh, great. Um, okay. Because, you know, the, the government and states put money into these films. Oh, nice. Um, there, there are like the conditions are that you have to hire. Well, you have to bring. Uh, I think Jason Isaacs was like the and one of the producers that it, they were the only two international hires we could have on the film. Okay. Um, but the, thankfully, because of all this like Marvel stuff going on in Australia right now, there's so much talent. Like the yeah. everyone in my crew had just come from like Thor or Aquaman. Oh, really? Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, and and you know, and, and they're Australian, so they're the coolest people in the world. That's amazing. Um, so it, that was just a, it was a wild ride, and it 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 was such a. I had so many fears going into that project about. Uh, if I had what it takes to do a feature film, like what always daunted me is that there's going to ultimately be people packed into a theater and the lights are going to go down and that doors are going to close and they're going to be in the seats watching something that I've written and directed and crafted uh, for 90 plus minutes. And I was like, do I have what it takes to string together something coherent and build suspense and, and uh, maintain their attention for that? Yeah. Long? Yeah. I had no idea. And tell me on your sh- your films because that was my first experience shooting like out of water, and I remember like on like shooting the final scenes in the movie on the day two and three of the film. Yeah, shooting the emotional climax where you you haven't even you haven't even really had time to see what your lead actor or your supporting actors are bringing and what they're giving you. Oh and yeah, for, for us it's for me anyway, Travis. You can chime in on. what for you, but for me, it's always a bummer doing that mainly for the actor's sake. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I know what needs to happen. There is an element of what you said, like you, you haven't seen exactly what's been filmed yet. So that obviously can affect you and how you would approach the scene. But I always think about it from the actor's perspective. How is it going to affect them trying to reach this emotional climax yeah. as, as an example, when they haven't gone through just the actual experience of the rest of the movie yet they've only read it on the page they haven't actually lived it yet yeah and i feel like being able to shoot in order is always preferred when you can do it just because of that alone like the actors get to live the movie before they do it there were certain things that that would it would kind of change the following scene if you were to do it again yeah oh yeah nick reffin i've heard shoots his stuff chronologically and it's like Mm. so when you're making something like drive it's like there's something that that some happy accident that happens or something that Gosling does in scene 12 that changes scene 14 and, and yeah. build and build and build. No, that's that. true. It's very true. It still happens when you're shooting out of order, but it's, it's yeah, yeah. harder to <laughs> correct, to correct or, or work account in, yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. And harder to roll with, you know, you're, you're, you're always rolling with punches, but when you're shooting out of order, it's harder to kind of make one thing pay off that I feel like it's accidentally set up. I feel like it's also just easier to mess up when you're filming out of order, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's just easier to forget little details that connect to this scene to that scene. And it's like, but you know, that's where it helped me to have written 
the the screenplay. Yeah, uh, you knew it inside and out. And intimately so, familiar yeah, with all so the details. Listed everything and and worked with the actors and and I knew the the wide lane that they had to play around inside of. Right. Uh, no one was in a box, but I, I I knew when something was too when they'd crossed into the <laughs> too far fetched or traffic. Too, yeah, it's yeah. Like you, uh, preventing anyone from going <laughs> off road. Yes. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. trying yeah. to keep it on the on the the right road, the, the same yeah, road. It's like lift lift some people up and bring some people down, and uh, and and that goes to every department. You know, production design, wardrobe, uh, cinematographer, every cast member. Yep. Um, locations. It's like it. That all. It all feeds feeds into itself. You know? Yeah. And what's this? So what's the status of Streamline now? When's it coming out? What's what's the deal with it? It's. It releases in the uh, Melbourne International Film Festival this August and theatrically. Um, there were like the the tragedy of that. So that was an experience of like immense highs and lows. You saw the director's cut. The director's cut. It was I'm, awesome, by the way. It was awesome. Yeah, we yeah. loved it. Thank you. And I, I'm, I'm so proud of that. Looked great. I loved it. The, the, the visuals were awesome. You did too. make... My, the, yeah, Michael Latham, who shot The Assistant, shot the film. Very um, cinematic. Yeah, he, he's incredible. And, and and every actor I'm so proud of, and in particular Levi. Like, mm-hmm. uh, But yeah, no, the, the, it was kind of the nightmare story of... First time filmmaker and the people you get entangled with. Mm. I I leaned more into my eagerness to make my first film than uh, leaning into my instinct of surrounding myself with amazing people. Right. It was kind of this amazing unifying thing where everyone bound together and worked twice as hard and rallied against these crazy circumstances. And uh, it made it all more special and more personal and... Uh, I'm, I'm so proud of the work everybody did, but yeah, it was- it's interesting because you can really rally together as a group and a team when, when your leaders are not living up to the standards that you expect, it causes everyone else <laughs> to raise their own standards in exactly. a way that, yeah. that they might not have done it. Now, I'm not saying that's a good thing or that that should happen. <laughs> I, I grappled a lot existentially with that because I, I believe in right and wrong and karma. Yeah. Uh, and and just balance in the universe, and it was the first time in my life where just this this g- grossly unfair thing happened that that so outweighed uh, the the goodness and the efforts of everyone of everyone. Yeah, it, that's true. I would say also that not knowing who you were working with is a tri- tricky thing. Yeah. We didn't really know. When we were working with Jason Blum and and Three Six, we didn't know a lot of these guys. But I would say that our experience was great. We had he, great meetings with these guys, yeah. and our experience with them was good. They, yeah. even though Jason had final cut on our movies, yeah, he allowed us to do the and final he, cut. He has a track record of being very supportive with filmmakers. Yeah, and, and, and that's something that you got to give and Jason in, credit for. Absolutely, yeah. like I, I love that Jason treated you guys like that and and helped you. Uh, you know, he he was a force that was helping you push the boulder up the mountain, and yeah. and he helped you see through your vision. What would you say the biggest lesson is that you took away from it all, from the whole thing? Let Chris and Travis was... and Tremendous Pictures <laughs> produce my next movie. No, that's that, what you besides, need. To do. Besides that, that's yeah. obviously number it, one. It was really that. Uh, work with people you love and that love you and that care about you. Surround yourself with amazing cast and crew, but the the people. The film at the end of the day is going to come down to you and a couple people in a dark room uh, working with a cut. Mm-hmm. 
And no matter how good a job you do on set, and no matter how, how, how good a job your crew does and your cast, no matter how great the performances they give you, it's like if the wrong people are in that, the room with you, or if you're not in the room at all, yeah, everything can be sabotaged. You know, it, it made me a, a whole lot more forgiving when I see films now because I'm like, I don't know what this person went through. Yeah, and especially first-time filmmakers who haven't found their uh, their circle of people to protect them yet. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I used to walk out at films at Arclight Hollywood, and I'm like, uh, "Oh, that was trash. That was, yeah, that <laughs> yeah. was horrible. What were they thinking? Why? Why yeah. did they do that? And and you, you just don't know what. We, we, when you go through things like that, you're you're not necessarily allowed to to speak about it. It seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you're at least grateful for the experience, grateful to have no, made so, the movie, and and that just the simple fact that you made your first feature was was huge. Yeah, yeah. and it, it it like squashed. It squashed all of those fears I had going in. Yeah. It's like I, when I saw the final thing, I'm like, okay, I can do this. You can do it. For yeah. The rest of my life. If we could kind of wrap up on that, I would. I would want to hear Tyson from you. What are your best pieces of advice you could give someone who maybe is just starting out, or someone who is looking to make their own content? From your perspective, what what are the small and simple things they could be doing right now to to get better yeah. at making movies? Make as much stuff as possible. Uh, shoot it yourself, cut it yourself, uh, like surround yourself with people that are way more talented than you at everything. Um, and, and, and just be as proactive as you can about like make it like manifesting your career and making it happen. Cause it's, it's never going to be given to you. And the, the people that are getting stuff made are the ones that are working their asses off and, and sacrificing so much. And, if you're not that person, you're going to get beat out by that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, the most important, you know, learn how to write <laughs> and learn how to write well. Um, because if you deliver a strong script, it's going to get made. Mm -hmm. um, and we talked about how to do that. Yeah. Read scripts, write, read, read, read. What you guys are the best at is like write, <laughs> write with consideration of what's makeable. Yeah. Um, like design your earlier films around like just a few little set pieces that you can um, pull off yourself. It's such and, a simple it, thing too. It's like write something you know you can make. Yeah, and that, that was Tarantino's thing with Reservoir Dogs. It, yeah. It's, he made the film that if everyone told him no, he could go do he it himself for $30,000. Yeah. And that's, you know, he, he got to make the two to $3 million version of that, whatever it, it ended up being. But um, Streamline was the first thing I ever developed that was small. It, and it, I got to, so I'm one for one when got I got to see it all. shoot yeah. small. And that, everything I, I develop and, and write uh, just in the near future is is going to be with that in mind. It's like, can I, if all else fails, can I make this for 200 grand, for 500 grand? With Chris yeah. and Travis. Yeah. Exactly. No, <laughs> right here, right now, we want to we want to produce your next film, dude. I want to be it. here. I, I, I've, seen, Fresno. I, I've seen the operation that these guys run up here. I, I was here for a pilot uh, a few months ago and we just, I've seen the crews out here and it's, you can, you can do a lot for a little out here in Fresno and, and, uh, I've seen it with my own eyes, and yeah, I'm I'm desperate to get out here and work with you guys because, like, going back to what you were talking about with, um, just just how meticulous you guys are, and that it, I know when I see a tremendous movie that it's the best version of all of the assets you had, all of the footage, that every performance I'm watching is the best, that it, it it's as big and vast and atmospheric and impactful as it could be, mm -hmm. and that's uh that's the final step of of filmmaking it's like and i and i know with you guys that you would do the reshoot that the film needs and you would spend the extra couple of weeks or or 
pull open the the sound mix again or go back to the composer like you would <laughs> you would make sure that the thing is the best version of itself that it can be and that's that's something that's very rare and not, not a lot of people in this town go to those lengths and that that's what that's why I want to make a movie with you guys we appreciate Ho that many too. hopefully yeah many Man, one can, many <laughs> can i just bottle that up and drink that all day long <laughs> whatever you just said i want to put that in pill form and that's going to be Pop my drug of choice yeah. every morning yeah, it, it, it's inspiration uh, yeah that along with the tremendum uh ringtone on your phone as your yes, alarm i need we that we talked too. about that swap yesterday. it out with the logo that opens your movies yeah, yeah that's what we're talking yeah. about well i would ask you what's next but that's what's next for you tyson is making a movie with us i mean let's be honest it's dude, a dude yeah, yeah, no. we are going to give you the support that you've never got no i, I can't wait and yeah. you know it's like when you when you go through a very traumatic like terrible relationship you recalibrate and you you find someone that's right for you and that's that uh i took my first blow at that from producers and and now yeah i've recalibrated and and now i'm looking for the the healthy partner you know so. that's amazing we can't wait you guys this is probably one of the most important lessons that i think that people can learn uh filmmakers anyone wanting to be in the industry whatever aspect of it if your wardrobe makeup whatever grip doesn't matter if you can have that work ethic and put everything out there even especially because it might not be your project or whatever you're working with someone with a vision but if you know that they're going to put their guts into this thing you want to join them in that fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You want to help push that boulder up the mountain because it is, it's heavy and it's hard and it's strong. And you're never going to understand what the, what the, the director is having to go through because yeah. you don't know what they're doing when they're not on set. They're preparing for the next day. They're, they're worried not, about all these other things. Not they're not sleeping. sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But if you can have the attitude that I'm going to give everything I've got to this and help this vision move forward. and and you work the way the director, now you got to find a director and producers that will work that way, mm -hmm. that, that they're going to give, like you said, the best of everything to the film. That kind of attitude is going to go so far. You, you really have to, if you're a director, you have got to give those actors everything, your all, to make them as best as they can be in yeah. the movie. If you are a, a, a grip, you're going to have to just be there, do the stuff, help the director to do that. And everyone will win that way. Yeah. If you have one bad apple, one person who's like, eh, or phoning it in, that will permeate the film mm -hmm. and it will destroy it. Yep. Here, here. Here's to pushing <laughs> that boulder. Here's to <laughs> pushing that boulder as a team. Well, guys, we're about, I think we're going to wrap up here with Tyson Wade Johnston. That's where we can follow you, right? Tyson Wade Johnston. Yeah, is yeah. that your handle on, on Insta Instagram and social media? Tyson I, Wade I post Johnston. a lot of videos of my girlfriend. Like, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but you just do, a warning. You Don't judge him. You, <laughs> po you post some, well, he's got a really beautiful girlfriend. Um, and she's funny. And she's super funny. Yeah. I've seen some of the stuff. Um, but guys, follow Tyson, follow his career. He's he, he is literally going to make the next like Rogue One or District 9 or something crazy cool very soon hopefully in fresno with us uh but this has been an awesome episode tyson thank you for sharing no, these insights it's so awesome to be here thank you so much for having me and we'll, we'll do it again soon and, and we'll be talking back on the film we've just made so. absolutely yeah, we'll <laughs> be we'll be showing a lot of behind the scenes of, of, of our brand new movie the, yeah. new, the new tyson johnston movie yeah man well guys thank you again for joining us on this episode of unlikely story be sure to subscribe uh, to watch these on youtube at uh tremendum on youtube or listen Wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, any of those, 
Thank you guys for joining us. And go make your movie. Do it. Right? Yep. Make <laughs> make the movie no one else can make. Just you. <laughs>